you're right. You know, the sacraments, you know, help us live that life we're called to, to strengthen us. But we've also got to give our knees a workout by getting down and praying. And another thing I think we could do too is um, adoration. You know, God has given us a gift that we are to serve. What is that gift? Maybe it's when you're called to bring a dish for a funeral luncheon, you know, something like that. You know, to give your time to a funeral luncheon. Um, and, and volunteering can be that simple. Yes. Here's your host. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM, your host for the show this evening. Welcome back to this week's milestone episode of Pastor's Perspective. That's right. This week marks the 25th episode of Pastor's Perspective. I want to play a song for the 25th episode. <laughs> You're going to get this copyrighted and throw oh, that's off right. the air, it, it, no, I'm sorry. Not on the radio, you won't. <laughs> uh, we are in the 20th week of Ordinary Time, and we'll be previewing the Gospel of Luke for the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time. Uh, Father Marty, any news or notes of, that you need to get uh, in front of the people tonight? Well, um, we're, we're premiering this on the Solemnity of the Assumption of Mary. So um, hopefully um, you came to Mass either in the morning or in the afternoon. And um, we're also getting ready. We've got some teacher in service and um, teach. Or we have our open house at Notre Dame this week. So the kids are getting closer and closer for school to start up. Good deal. You betcha. I just wanted to let everybody know that I am working on the uh, podcast and I have the last, uh, the 20th through 24th episodes posted up there with the first nine and I'm going to be working on getting the rest of the ones filled in in between there. And KCDM is on the internet now streaming live and uh, I'm going to try to get that up there on the uh, website so that you can click on that and listen to it on your phones, wherever you're at. And Father Marty, I believe you have our uh, opening prayer this evening. I certainly do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And God, our Father, as we come together tonight to talk about the parish and what makes up the parish and the leadership, we ask you, Lord, that you will bless us. Bless our parishioners, especially those who are hurting or alone, we ask you, Lord, to be with us, that we may fulfill the mission that we are called to, to go out and baptize all the nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Marty. You're very welcome. Tonight, the posse will discuss Luke's reading for the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time, and that's chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. In this reading, Jesus tells us to enter through the narrow gate. We need to work on our relationship with God and humble ourselves for some are last who will be first. And Father Dennis, I believe you have our reading tonight. Yes, sir. Jesus passed through towns and the villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, Will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, 
We attempted to enter, but uh, we did not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will you stand outside, knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, or you evildoers. And they will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And the people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south, and will recline at a table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are the last who will be first, and some are the first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father Dennis. Jesus and his disciples continue their trek toward Jerusalem in this reading. And apparently they're stopping at every little town and uh, village in between here, and, and Jesus is preaching and, and converting people. And narrow uh, is a recurring theme in the Bible. Narrow paths, narrow gates, uh, camels passing through eyes of needles, that kind of thing. How strong do we need to be, and how do we get stronger so that we can stay on the narrow path? Like the first way, you know, how do you how do you stay strong in the faith? You know, and stay on that narrow path. You, know, you look at the sacraments. You know, these great gifts that God has given us, and then you also look at His Word. You know, the Bible. How well do we take time each and every day to allow Scripture to wash over us? How well do we take time to to sit and to build that relationship? you know, with Christ through our prayer life. For some of us, you know, we love the rosary. Rosary is a great thing. But we, we fire through that thing like a machine gun, like, <laughs> you know, and we zip right through and we say, yep, I did my prayers today, Father. But we don't leave any of that quiet time, you know, for God. We look at it and say, I checked this box, Father, I checked this box. My prayers are getting great. Do we sit in that silence? You know, and it is a narrow path. You know, there's challenges, you know, you just look at society right now, how many things are trying to vie for our attention? Snapchat, TikTok, all these social media things. Think of YouTube, like, man, that algorithm's fantastic. It'll keep showing you another video you want to watch until you realize, man, I've just wasted an hour of my life. <laughs> kind of like. One of my uh, favorite comic strips is Pearls um, Before Swine. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, the other two at the table here, but it's little, you know, little animals and things like that. And one of the key um, antagonists is, is Rat. And he gives kind of a, uh, kind of a glim view on the world. But one of, one of my favorites, I got it hanging up in my office, is he's, he's working at his computer and he hears, ding, ooh, an email. I better look at that. He looks it up and he goes, 
ooh, they're referencing something I can, I need to look up on Wikipedia. And then they're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And he's like, no, you know, I got to get back to work. And then ding, ooh, an email. <laughs> and, and I think, but I think that's what you're trying to say there, Father James, is that do we take the time to truly listen? And um, one of the things is, is that you're right. You know, the sacraments, you know, help us live that life we're called to, to strengthen us. But we've also got to give our knees a workout by getting down and praying. And another thing I think we could do, too, is um, adoration. You know, we have adoration on Tuesday nights, on the first Friday and the Saturday, you know, for 24 hours. But I think we need to give our knees a workout as well, too, and just take that time to listen. Because the way of Christ isn't easy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. But it's not easy. We need all the strength, all the help that we can get. Yeah, I can also say that uh, this message of Jesus really touches everyone because Jesus wants us to do something for our salvation. And in many cases, we want things which are easy, but Jesus wants us at least to sacrifice for, for our faith. I can give you an example of some people now who say, you know what, I, didn't, I don't need to come to church. I can attend the church through the TV. I can even watch any TV all over the world and say, attend Mass. But that is a kind of looking for just, or escaping the narrow gate, because when you have to leave your house, come to church, there's a kind of sacrifice. But some people now, they are just tempted in that direction. Mm-hmm. And also, even our faith in general, there are so many obligations we must fulfill. And uh, if you look what happens around, things are very easy sometimes to enjoy, to do. But when it comes to faith, there are some commitments we have to do. Mm-hmm. So the narrow gate involves a lot. Yeah. And Father Marty, you used to be a runner, and we just had Ragbri finish up. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't go out and run a marathon or ride a bike across the state of Iowa without going in, putting in the work and doing the effort and getting built up and getting strengthened for it. I tried to do that once for a marathon where I didn't think, you know, well, I've done this before and I'm going to let marathon day magic carry me to the finish line. And that lasted for, oh, about seven miles of 26. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you got was seven miles? Well, I got to mile 14 and I sat down on the curb thinking, there's got to be a straggler truck coming up here sooner or later. (laughs) (laughs) But your faith isn't much different than that. Right. And and one of the things I go to is because I looked up a homily I gave six years ago on this weekend because it was during the time of the Rio Olympics. And think of the amount of time, commitment, sacrifice that, you know, Olympians make um, for a gold medal Mm -hmm. or a silver or bronze or to compete for their country. And we have something more precious because we're, we're competing. I don't know if that's a good word or not, but we're competing for our salvation, our soul. And if we don't have the proper training, as you say, you know, you guys say, you know, the sacraments and prayer and adoration and, and, you know, loving God and our neighbor, then we're not going to win the prize which is eternity, eternal salvation. 
And think of how many Olympians had to give up things just to get through that narrow gate, just to get to the Olympics. Yeah. You know, and so it's the same for us. And the sacrifice that they Mm -hmm. have to make. You know, and one of the things that I had to do when I was training for marathons was I like to stay up late and just, you know, kind of couch potato around the TV. Well, I'd have to get up because I had early morning mass. Sometimes I'd be out running at 4, 4.30, 5, <laughs> you know, before the sun even came up. Yeah. You know, you have to give some of that stuff up to get not just to the starting line, but get to get to the finish line as well, too. Yeah. The reading says, after the master has risen and locked the door, we will be left knocking. Is this a reference to Jesus' resurrection or a reference to our final judgment? How, how should we interpret that today? Or is, is that an accurate reflection of what's going on here? Yeah, uh, for me, I think like this time we are given an opportunity to work on our faith. This is an opportunity we have. And we can do a lot, we can try, we can do this and that. But if we don't use this opportunity by this time, and now there is the last judgment, that is what can happen to me or to anybody that you want to go probably to heaven, but there's no any other opportunity you can, de- you can get that. So I think, yeah, it is related to the last judgment. Because one of the things that I think is that um, we kind of have that mindset today is that um, everybody's going to go to heaven. <laughs> okay. And I, and, but you know what? Once the door is locked, you know, hey, Lord, I knew who you were. You know, I came to Mass every so often. You know, I went to reconciliation once in 25 years and da 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 da. And, you know, it's going to be like, I really don't know you. Right. You know, and, and that's the narrow gate as well, too. That's the opportunity, you know, Father Dennis, that you said. God's going to give us as many opportunities as we can. You know, but we have to take advantage of them. Yeah, like a lot of it's like, all right, you know, because they talk about, you know, you know, we were there, we were there with you, you know, whatever. But then it's kind of this idea of like, all right, you heard Jesus teach, yeah, you didn't even follow, you know, follow what he taught. You rejected him then, so then in turn, you know, Christ rejects you. I don't know you. You're not one of my followers. You're not someone who followed my teaching. You know, who built that relationship. Who listened to my words. So yeah, me. you may have stood in the crowd and listened while I was preaching as we came through your village, but you never followed me. Right. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So how can we make sure Jesus knows where we are from so we are not cast out? It's by how we live our lives. You have a great line about that. I'm trying to think of what it is. And it's, it's almost like we're, you know, it's not that by how we live our lives is how we'll be judged or something like that, which is true. I don't remember. The, okay. Never apparently I got a one-liner. I didn't remember what it was. <laughs> apparently just roll off the tongue. Yeah. You know, but, but we're going to have those opportunities to live our faith, to show our faith, to, to follow in the footsteps of, of Jesus. And if we do that, I think our odds are a little bit better. I don't think Jesus wants to lose anyone. We need to pick up our cross. Oh, all right. I remember now. Okay. So it was on CPE, so clinical pastoral education experience here in the hospital. And a deacon who was at the 
at the hospital there in Rock Island, we were talking about, you know, what do we think about the judgment day? And he, he kind of argued, his thought process was, is we form our lives here on earth. We form our souls. So when the good Lord calls us home, you know, our soul has been kind of hardened into the way that we've lived our life. And then once we see God face to face, you know, if our soul, you know, how we've lived our life, you know, following Jesus, you know, our soul is going to want to spend time with Christ and adoration and praise. But if we've lived our life kind of a wild child, not really knowing Jesus very well, we're kind of kind of look at it, the soul, what he would argue, would kind of look at it and go like, nah, you're not for me. Like, we're going somewhere else. That was kind of his argument of you form your soul here on earth for ultimately how to be judged. But he almost argued more and Christ won't necessarily judge, but your soul will be pardoned to the point where it'll know whether or not you want to follow Christ or not at that point. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. God, God will be able to tell. Yeah. Yeah, also in addition to that, sometimes we like to like cheap faith, soft message, or something I want to hear, maybe from the pastor or from the priest. And we don't like even like to get that message which Jesus wants you to hear maybe today or this Sunday. And sometimes you need to do something. The message is from Christ and the class wants you to do something. But sometimes we feel like, hmm, Jesus is too much demanding or is it too nosy or something. But I believe heaven or yeah, heavenly life is really not easy. That is why Jesus is using the narrow gate. So it goes kind of, kind of goes back to the cafeteria Catholics that Father Marty well, talked about. Yeah, well, I said it about it. Yeah, so yeah. many people want it. Father, why can't you just talk about love? You know, Jesus loves us. All. Yes. Well, guess what? Jesus also said, "Hey, shape up. We got work to do." <laughs> That's right. Jesus was always tipping over the money tables. <laughs> So the reference to people from east, west, north, and south who will recline at table in the kingdom of God should give us all hope. Is this telling us everyone is invited to the banquet, but not everyone's going to get there? That's the way I read it. That's how I interpret it. You know, you figure Jesus kind of talking about, you know, the prophets, you know, here they came, you know, how the how kind of the kingdom got split between, you know, the Israelites in the north, Judea in the south. You know, and this idea that, guess what, even that Samaritan that I hung out with at the well, you know, has that opportunity to be welcomed into the feast. So that's why he brings Abraham and Jacob and into the discussion. And one of my favorite lines is that there's going to be three surprises when we get to heaven. Number okay. one, I'm there. <laughs> Two, who is there? And three, who isn't there? Who isn't there? Oh man, interesting. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta hope you get there. Otherwise, otherwise, otherwise there's no and, surprise. And I'm going back. I know we're in our 25th episode, so I don't remember the exact episode I said this. But as long as I'm on the bottom rung of purgatory, I'm okay. If I'm hanging on for dear life on that bottom rung, start me there if you need to. I almost feel like you know you talked about the 25th episode. This is a sad day for us here. At pastor's perspective, I'm glad you didn't bring Dilly bars to celebrate it. Actually, because it Father Phillips it. is not joining us tonight. Father Phillips is sick. I think this is his first episode he's missed. Yep. 
Yeah, he's under the weather. So well, yep. he 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 went strong for twenty four, but the twenty fifth was too much. That twenty fifth mile we, got him. Yep. We, we may have to delay dilly bars till next week. <laughs> so, um, I mean, this has gives us a universal invitation or an invitation to everyone, because every human being has been created to to know him first, to save him, to love him, and go back to him at the end. So I think that the passage is just showing that everyone is invited from every corner of the world. So is the last sentence a reminder that we need to be humble in the eyes of God and be servants of our fellow man? The last will be first and the first will be last. Yeah, I think that's the case. And it's also that, you know, I think it's also Luke is writing to those who are who are poor. Okay. You know, physically poor as well, too. So the last will be first. The first will be last. You know, you might have everything you want in this world, but you have truly what matters. And those some who might not have anything in this world, but they might have what matters the most. The first will be last. The last will be first. I think also like another thing, you know, you think of Luke advance next, you know, to the next chapter, you know, you have Luke chapter 14, verse 13, and then in 21, you know, he has two more parables where he's kind of t- going to talk about this idea of, you know, the last being coming to first, you know, the one, you know, he talks about, you know, the one who sits in the lowest place is then invited higher, whereas the one who went to the seat of honor ends up in the lowest. He's going to kind of keep playing with this theme is he advance on to the gospel of Luke, kind of this idea of it's almost kind of throwing things on the head, whereas, you know, in the time they're kind of looking at like, well, the Pharisees, like, look at these nice tassels, and, you know, these, they really look like they know what they're talking about. Well, not so much. And the other thing, too, is you have to remember is that, you know, that, that invitation was extended to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob first, but Jesus came to, to extend the net just a little bit, you know, to the Gentiles. And, you know, the Gentiles oh, receive the okay. message second, last. So, you know, the last will be first, the first will be last. At least that's what the footnote's saying here. Those <laughs> called last will precede those to whom the invitation enter was first extended, the Jewish people. Yeah. See also Luke 14. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give you the whole chapter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, 15 to 24. So. <laughs> I think also it is a kind of like warning Sometimes you, you, you feel like, yes, I'm a Catholic, I'm a priest, I'm the pastor or whoever. And uh, if you are not careful, you can just take it for granted and you lose your faith or you lose your ministry or you lose your... And then someone who comes today into faith and he's very strong or she's very strong and at the end he's or she's in heaven and you are not. So everyone, wherever you are, we need to always work hard. Yeah, it makes me think of the, the gospel where it says when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't go in and sit down at the seat of honor because you might be asked to, to move down. Go in and sit in the lowest seat and then hope to be invited up. Yes. Interesting. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, talking about the parish post-COVID and uh, where the parish is at and uh, how the parish works and just kind of get a little, uh, take a little peek behind the, 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 the parish, behind the curtain, if you will. <laughs> how many families are in Divine Mercy Parish? 
So currently approximately 1,400 families. Um, one of the things that we're gonna be kicking off here um, this weekend, so be the day previously from when you first hear this, we're actually gonna be kicking off a parish update. So kind of using that theme of, you know, Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem to register for the census, but guess what? You don't need to ride a donkey. You just go right to our website and update your parish census information. Just so that way we're able to get a better idea of how many families we have and how do we best minister to those families that we currently have in the parish. So how many of those families are actually coming to Mass? So approximately, we don't know necessarily the families, how many families. Uh, we can just look at communion count. Um, so you're looking at approximately, there's approximately 3,300 individuals in the parish uh, that we believe. You get approximately about 19 or so percent that'll come to Mass and receive communion. And of that 19%, we have to remember too that um, you know some of them may be visitors mm -hmm. and things like that. So that number could be just a, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, you know it could be a little bit lower than that as well too. I think you just think about like the November Mass counts, you know, pre-COVID back in 2019, you're only sitting at 31.93% of parishioners coming to so we've wow. lost, so you lost about 12% through COVID per se from the total. Do you think streaming the masses is having an effect on that? If you quit streaming masses, do you think you get more people in the seats? That's a very good, deep question <laughs> because we've talked about that for what, three parish council meetings, you know, and it's, it's a, uh, I'll give you an example. My home parish in Kilcuck, you know, they spent, um, about 20,000 on equipment to live stream the mass, you know, so um, they're going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. And and our thing is we tried to look at numbers. How many people are, are actually coming to mass via the live stream? And, you know, like uh, the other night, you know, I popped in just to see what was going on, but I was on for what, two minutes? So does that skew the number? Does that help the number? We, we just don't know. And it's, it's one of those things that um, church isn't lived on a couch. <laughs> you can't receive the Eucharist no. on a TV screen. And, and the other thing, too, is, and I think we've lost a lot of this, um, you know, with the live stream and, and just in general with electronics is the aspect of community. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not the same as being there. No. It's, it's just not the same. One of the th neatest things I think we did was, you know, get the pictures of, of you know, we had parishioners email us, you know, pictures, and we were able to tape them to the pews. That helped me because it was hard for me. You know, there were many times it was me and Father Dan, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And I knew we had people watching at home, and I know that was a great service that we provided, especially during covid but have we lost what it means to be a Eucharistic people? And I would say the numbers are telling us that is yes. Yeah. What are the age demographics of, of the parish members? Do, do you guys have any kind of a, do you keep track of that or do you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's older. Yeah. So, so the difficult part you know, with this is when you're looking at all the data, you're going to have families in the end that have, 
registered, you know, maybe been here 10, 15, however many years. Well, then their kids go off to college, you know, they get their first job. Well, we don't necessarily know that. And so they're still under their parents' names. And so you're definitely kind of skewed, you know, with not being able to update this very frequently. But just looking out in the church pews, your average age in the church pews is probably going to be probably at least upper 50s, low 60s. Mm-hmm. Probably the average median age at Mass, if not a little bit higher. At the, the 1030 Mass at St. Paul's is probably a little bit younger than that. Correct. Because there's a lot more. I went there. I was out of town and went to Mass at 1030 last Sunday and was surprised at the families and the children. And, you know, there's a lot younger the younger crowd must wait to go to ten thirty. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. It is a challenge to have an older, an older community uh, because we need also a younger church. We need the older community, yes, but we need also followers because, yeah, that is how life is. So it is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how is the parish doing financially? Uh, the I, I mean, I know we had repairs to the steeple and there's all those kind of unforeseen bills and roof problems and air conditioners and all that kind of stuff. But right now we're looking at, um, we just had a finance meeting tonight and we're looking at, you know, if you take depreciation out of our numbers and that, um, I don't quite understand depreciation. You have to explain that to me sometime as a numbers guy but uh you know we're looking at a deficit this year of maybe about sixty-five thousand. yeah um now we went very cautious on income because of the capital campaign that's coming up and also as demographic shift one of the things is is that for so long and i gotta be careful how i say this we rely on the generosity of those who have come before us. Mm-hmm. You know, those who have remembered the parish, you know, in their will, who have given some small gifts, some bigger gifts. And we've been able to have a pretty good, you know, investments that way too. But are we doing, do we step up and do our part? Because one of the things that I hear is that, well, my grandfather gave a dollar a week. My father gave a dollar a week. I will give a dollar a week. Okay, that's what you can give to God. You know, great. But um, the last time I checked, I'm not paying the same price for gas in 1992 as I am today. Electricity is just a little you know, bit higher. And the other thing, too, is, and, and we do have three beautiful church buildings in Burlington, West Burlington, and I'm also going to throw St. Mary's Dodge in there. It's a beautiful building. Mm-hmm. But they're also, three of the four are over 100 years old. They're big. It takes money to run utilities. It takes money for upkeep. And, and that's where the generosity of folks really came through. And one of the things that surprised me, our biggest hit during COVID, of course, was offertory. Because we couldn't gather. And then in the weeks and months following, when we had to go every third pew, every other pew, whatever, you know, we took a hit with offertory as well. Not passing the basket. Yeah, but people stepped up 
and continue their giving for envelopes. And for that, I'm very, very grateful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people have done the same so far, you know, this fiscal year as well, too. And I know when, when with our giving, when we were younger and raising a family and everything, we couldn't give as much to the church then. But as we've gotten older and the kids have moved out and, you know, you make more money when you get older and everything, we, we've tried to up our giving to the parish to, to kind of offset those people that are starting families and can't give as much and stuff too. So we're in this together. Yeah. Let's talk about St. Mary's in Dodgeville. I've heard it referred to as a mission parish. What is St. Mary's in Dodgeville's connection to Divine Mercy Parish and, and how did it come into being? St. Mary's in Dodgeville up until the early 2000s had a resident pastor and no connection to Burlington West Burlington. Oh, okay. So it was clustered with, um, the last that I know was Columbus Junction and Wapolo. So talk about a circuit there. That's pretty good. In the early 2000s, it became part of, it became a, a mission parish of St. Mary's and Patrick's in West Burlington. Oh, okay. okay. So basically what that means is that the same priest served both parishes. So the connection now would be is that the same priest that served Divine Mercy in Burlington, West Burlington, also served St. Mary's in Dodgeville. Is it a mission parish? Is it part of the cluster? I think we're getting in the terms there because, you know, like, um, you know, we do RCIA together. We do a couple things together, but St. Mary's Dodgeville has their own parish council, finance council, religious ed. Um, and so it, it kind of runs independently of itself. I'd argue it's clustered. That's just me. Mm -hmm. I would say so too. You know, the little talk we had before we came on air. We have to be careful. Tony doesn't turn us on before we come on air. Because I would say, like, you look at it, like, essentially they're standalone parish. The only thing that it is is the priest just goes out and serves the, so the parish. Just being serviced by the priest at Divine Mercy, yeah. basically. Right. Because they have their own finance, you know, their own books. Parish council got everything separated out. Yeah. Can Divine Mercy Parish members attend church at St. Mary's in Dodgeville? Only if you drop an envelope in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like in any Catholic church, you know, you're more than welcome to, to come to Mass, you know, wherever, you know. The community's thankful that you're there, you know, being able to worship with them. But you have to be careful not to sit in somebody's pew. Right? Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> so you mentioned parish council meeting, Father Marty. What what exactly does a parish council do? Um, it's kind of changed, I think. Um, and it's interesting because parish councils kind of came back in with the Second Vatican Council. And then there is a canon about them. Do you want to read the canon or do you want me to? I'll let you read the canon. All I know is the canon on finance councils. Okay. So this is 536, canon 536. All right. After the diocesan bishop has listened to the presbyteral council, and if he judges it opportune, a pastoral council is to be established in each parish. The pastor presides over it. And through it, the Christian faithful, along with those who share in the pastoral care of the parish, in virtue of their office, give their help in fostering pastoral activity. So when parish councils, the way that I understand them, is when they were first formed, it was kind of, they were the workers of the parish. So we're going to do this, we're going to do that, yada, yada, yada. 
And now it's more of a, a, the pastoral council is a consultative body to the pastor. Okay. Okay. And then because somewhere it says, you know, that um, it's, it's part of the parish and the Christian faithful. But then what it's to do is it's to plan. It's pastoral planning. It looks at the needs of the parish and how we best can address those needs. But ultimately, it's consultative to the pastor. Okay, so they perform an advisory function to the the pastor. But also, they look at the planning um, of that, of the parish. What are goals? Where do we want to be a year from now, three years from now, five years, ten years from now? And how can we best get there? Okay. It's kind of that planning. So who are the members of the parish council right now? How many of them are there? There are seven, eight members of oh, 10, there's 13, 12, 13. There's 13 members on the board. <laughs> I kept moving up. So, Go ahead. <laughs> so you got the three priests, Father Marty, Father Dennis, and myself. You got the two lay trustees. So that'd be Bruce Brockway and Dave Eric. You have the president of the parish council, which is Dave Sandy. Your vice president, which would be Brandon Brent. Your secretary, which would be Cindy Stewart. Your youth representative would be Stephen Castaton. You also have Diane Fell. Mary Ray Schnedler. Mary Schnedler. Monica Myers. And Amanda Brent. Brent also Brent. on there. So if anybody wants to talk to someone on the parish council, they can talk to one of them and mm-hmm. bend their ear and and, uh, and get input. And parish council meetings are, are public meetings. Anyone can come and voice their concerns, their whatever they would like. So they're, when are, are they held on the first Monday of the month or something? Or what's no, the... They're the, held on the third Tuesday. <laughs> third, third, third Tuesday. Tuesday of the month at 6.15 out at the uh, library in the offices there at St. Mary and Patrick. Okay. So what... Um, I know there are subcommittees that, um, that fall under the parish council. And the two that I know of are the Finance Committee and Building and Grounds, and I'm sure there's other ones. Um, or is that not part of the... I know that was back when uh, I was involved with the Park Commission and the Stewardship yeah. Committees and that kind of stuff. So according to the diocesan um, guidelines, we are to have um, at least six... There could be six commissions, but I think we're going to go with five. Um, let me explain. So you have the Worship and Spirituality Commission, so Liturgy Commission. Okay. You'll have the Faith Formation Commission. You have Church Life Commission and Family Life Commission, which those are the two I think we can combine. You have Social Justice Commission, and then you have Finance and Administration. So the Finance Council falls under that, as does the Buildings and Grounds. So Buildings and Grounds ain't its own commission. It's part of the... Um, administration. administration right. okay. And you have a canon, I think, on finance councils. You betcha. All right. So, so you hear, you know, kind of on parish councils, you know, ultimately it's going to be up to the local bishop. Um, so for us, you know, one of our Dawson synods, uh, it became a requirement in the Diocese of Davenport to have a parish council at each parish. Um, but canonically, the church and her great wisdom put out a canon requiring finance councils. So it's the next canon. 537. In each parish, there's to be a finance council, which is governed, in addition to universal law, by norms issued by the diocesan bishop, in which the Christian faithful, selected according to these same norms, are to assist the pastor 
in the administration of the goods of the parish without prejudice to the prescripts of Canon 532. So that idea that canonically, you're required to have parish council. Pastoral council, parish council, a lot of it's all going to be kind of up dependent per se to the local bishop and the diocese. Um, but for us, with that last synod, back in probably the 86. 90s, 80s, um, it became a requirement in the diocese of Davenport to have a parish council. I mentioned park commission. That was a while ago. Did the park commission process yield any fruits before COVID broke everything up? It did. And it, it broke up a little bit before COVID because what I wanted to do is, um, and I will take responsibility for this, and I should have pushed harder for this. We knew what was coming down the road. We knew that we were going to lose um, a priest in Des Moines County. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what we should have done, should have, would have, could have, is um, we should have done the process together instead of doing it as Saints John and Paul Parish and Saints Mary oh. and Patrick Parish. Okay. Because we did it separately, and then when um, the one of the pastor, or, you know, when one of the pastors got pulled, and then we became one parish in 2017. To try to bring that all together was just it was it was funky. Um, and so that was the mistake I feel mm-hmm. that was made. I think there was good fruit. I think people came together. They shared their ideas. There were some social events that were put together. I think we grew a little bit liturgically. And out of that, too, came um, Divine Mercy Parish, you know, and the names out, you know, the names that were voted on came out of that. Right. So I think there was some good fruit coming out of that. But you know, if the best, and, and I'm sorry to use a golf analogy, but if the best um, golfer in the world, Tiger Woods, would revamp his swing every so often, I thought it was time for us to revamp what the pastoral council looked like and what the commissions look like. Because it's hard when you're trying to do things in three different church buildings, mm-hmm. liturgically, and I'm sorry, but I think this is the truth. You know, when you try to do something as a parish, then you have to decide, well, where do you do it at? Right. You know, and and what, what I've learned is that if you try to do it at Notre Dame, that isn't going to work either. So it's like, <laughs> what do you what do you do? And so so that's one of the you know, one of the obstacles that I think the pastoral council needs to address. I think that we all need to address. And we're still kind of dealing with that uh, three three buildings and, and coming together into one parish thing, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I've learned in the last few years is that you can't force unity. Mm-hmm. But we have to become unified, especially as I think the last year has taught us that a little bit with or, uh, or even with COVID. You yeah. know, we're blessed for this year. We've got Father Dennis with us. Right. And a lot of that was because of my health. You know, my health is better now. But what happens when Father Dennis leaves January 1st and um, January 5th, my health turns again. Then what do we do? Right. Right. Exactly. You know, we have a plan in place for that, but mass schedule. You know, somewhat. 
So, uh, <laughs> so are, are there are there any plans to reconstitute the stewardship committees or the stewardship fair that they used to do or anything like that? One of the things that we're hoping that the what did you call? I don't like a census. What did you call it? Did you call it a census? Not a. Uh, what, I called it something else earlier, and I can't remember what I called it. I like the census. Um, what we're trying to get from the census is who are the people out there? Who are the people in the pews? And then we'll go and form the commissions off of that. And so we're trying to, what we'll try to do is get the five commissions back up again. So you're going to figure out who you're serving first and then figure out how to best do that. Right. Basically. Okay. Yes. Uh, are there any plans to resurrect the cafe program or something similar Wednesday nights during RE? We are, we're, we're kind of starting something like that a little bit now. We're, we're starting a little bit slow. The, the Knights of Columbus are, you know, during, doing donuts and catechesis once a month. Um, they're doing donuts every Sunday, but, uh, they're doing the catechesis once a month. And the other thing too that I think is, is really good is that they're, they're, we're in this, um, Eucharistic revival right now that the U.S. bishops have called for. And they're going to get some of the, displays for that where we can learn more about the Eucharistic miracles, the power of the Eucharist. So I think cafe, maybe on a Wednesday night, we don't know what that will look like, but we are trying to do little things to deepen the faith of, of people. Okay. Um, and do you need any help or volunteers or anything to, to execute that? Or is that I would say right now, go through the nights. The big help we're going to need is when the parish mission comes the mission itself will be October 17th through 19th. And the biggest thing that we can do there is to attend, to pray for it, um, and to be open to where the Holy Spirit is calling us through the mission. Mm -hmm. That'll be like three nights of uh, a great cafe for three nights in a row to grow in our faith. And that's Mike Patton that's coming? Yes. The engaging, the engaging Cajun. He's from Louisiana. Engaging Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that. Yes. So uh, let's talk about volunteers a little bit. Does the old axiom about 7% of the parish doing 80% of the work hold true at Divine Mercy Parish? I'd say it's more 90%. <laughs> you, know, you have your core group of volunteers. And, and, and the hard part is, is getting, I think, there's, I think it's a two-edged thing here. The first part is to get people involved. They need to take the step up. We need to ask. And, and implement them. You know, you don't just don't ask and say, we're going to do this. We've got to put, we've got to schedule them in. The second part is we've got to get rid of the attitude that says, well, let's let somebody else do it. Or with all due respect, it's the way we've always done it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know, we have to be open for that. So. That's almost the kiss of death, isn't it? Yep. We've always done it that way. Yeah. Is burnout a real thing? And a problem in the parish for the volunteers and for the staff, for that matter. Oh yeah, you know it, it's like anything. You know, if you if if someone's doing everything, they're going to get burned out. And even Jesus always had a boat ready. Jesus retired to the <laughs> Jesus retired to the mountains to pray. You've got to be able to recharge those batteries. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you've got to be open to other people stepping in. Um, one of the adages that. I've learned and, and learning now is the fact that um, there's a piece of land off of Crapo Park that's full of people who thought they were irreplaceable. 
I know. Bad, bad. I, I hear there's people dying to get into that place. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's why there's gates. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people help? If somebody says, okay, I, I, I want to help, how do they get involved? I think the big thing is, I think we need to go out and ask. But if people come to us, we need to discern what is their gift, okay? What we need are for people to step up. And so one of the, for what I see right now, is one of the things we need most, and it's not just kids, but it's adults too. We need alder servers. We, we pretty much have the same kids alder serving pretty much every mass. And, you know, I have to ask one of our high school kids, hate to ask you this again, but would you alter serve? You know, and adults can alter serve too. We have a, we have a few, mm-hmm. but, you know, but I think we need kids to step up and, and, and to alter serve. We need people to step up and be lectors, ushers, greeters, liturgical ministers. We are really hurting for. And then... It's, it's what um, yesterday in our evening prayer, I think it was yesterday or today in our evening prayer, somewhere, you know, God has given us a gift that we are to serve. What is that gift? Maybe it's when you're called to bring a dish for a funeral luncheon, you know, something like that, you know, to give your time to a funeral luncheon. Um, and, to, and volunteering can be that simple. Yes. It doesn't have to be a... I'm not going to get called to bring a dessert to a funeral luncheon. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Or for that matter, any dish. Yeah, but you don't have to get involved and make a, a, a three-year commitment to serve on some committee or something to mm-hmm. help out. No, but we do need people to step up. Okay. Um, do volunteers need to be vetted or take any classes or anything to work in the parish or to volunteer in the parish? We like... Okay, That's. I'll give you an example. So I think you're going to bring this up. So we would like, you know, our RE teachers to be somewhat knowledgeable in the faith, mm-hmm. you know. So I think the diocese is starting to put that in where you have to take a course to be an RE teacher. So we want to teach our kids the faith. We don't want to water it down. We don't want it to be all fun and games. Right. We want to teach the kids the faith. And so... And then there is some vetting that, you know, like if, if you know, for an RE teacher, um, you know, we have to do virtues. Right. Because um, they're working yeah. with kids. You know, for, uh, you know, if somebody wants to be a money counter, we have to do the background, the credit check. Yeah. You know, things like that. So. That those are kind of common sense things that any business is going to do. Correct. So. Do you need um, RE teachers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for certain grades or all grades or we're, just, we're in a little bit of a transition there. So, but that would be my guess. Yes. Okay. And, and when does, when does RE meet and where is it? It's at Notre Dame. Okay. Um, it will, it will start either late September, early October. And that's still Wednesday nights that, that they, yep. they still do that on Wednesday nights. Okay. We think. <laughs> and, and, and who is religious education for? Who's it targeted? It's for those who um, do not attend Notre Dame, um, who come and, and get um, their training in the faith. Because the Notre Dame kids get religious education as part of the curriculum. Every day, yes. Every day. Every day. All right. Every day. Um, and while we're on Notre Dame, uh, where do they fit into the parish? Are they a separate entity? Um, how does the parish support Notre Dame? Do we support them financially? 
and uh, are the priests, are you guys involved out there? Do you, do you spend time out there? And we, we do support the, the school financially. Um, and so this year, you know, we will give $450,000 to, to the school. They are part of the parish. So without the parish, the school wouldn't exist. So they're, they're part of our outreach to educate. Father James does a really good job of being there. He, he really does. He, he, he's good. He's the chaplain out there. Um, he does a very, very good job. Um, Father Dennis has been out there to answer questions and everything. I get out there as much as I can. My goal is after last year and not feeling well in that, but feeling better is, is we're going to have a priest, more of a priest present there, hopefully every day. And Father Dennis, you, you, you go out and spend oh, time out there, oh, too? Yes, oh, yes. And, and what's your impression of spending time at Notre Dame? Oh, you needed to inspire them, to inspire them to Christian life, religious life, to answer their questions. They have so many questions related to faith, so they needed to know more, and they believe that we can help them. That is what we do all the time. Very good. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, on Notre Dame piece, like, they are a separate business entity, so they have their own, you know, set of books. Originally, it was kind of that strange kind of situation where you had, you know, Johns and Pauls and Mary and Pats, you know, all kind of helping to support. Now that the parish site has all been kind of condensed down to one, um, Notre Dame is still technically on its own, but it's more than like, you know, it still would fall under the parish jurisdiction. And, and one of the things, and I'm going to give Father James credit for this, is that... Um, you know, our presence there is important because we want to build relationships. Because if we don't have relationships, then it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You can't go and take the yardstick and hit the desk saying, you got to go to Mass, you got to go to Mass. You know, it's going to be through those building the relationships and the invitations mm-hmm. to get kids to start coming to Mass. So what's the what's the status of the youth program? I know we talked a little bit before we went on the air about uh, some changes in the staffing out of Notre Dame. And we're gonna we're gonna take a look at it um, right now. We need to give for me the youth the youth program for like high school kids and that has to be more than just social. We've got to teach them the ways of the faith. Continue to teach the ways of the faith. Pass confirmation. I don't know about anyone else. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm reading a book right now and I'm getting words. So I got to look up. I don't know what they mean. You know, it's like, holy cow. Um, so, um, so we, and, and I think the biggest thing that we need to do is not just to teach them the, the mechanics of the faith, you know, just for facts. We got to teach them how to come into a relationship with Jesus. And we do that through prayer. We need to teach them how to pray. Okay. Uh, and then we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, I hate to be sound like Jack Bauer, but um, <laughs> the, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the Upon This Rock campaign? You, you talked about that's earlier. A, that's serve it. That's a wait for another topic or another program on that one. But the capital campaign for the diocese, Upon This Rock, is coming. You'll hear more about it. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. <laughs> Father James. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to come together to talk about the parish and how we best build those relationships with your parishioners. 
And how do we help kind of advise and governance, you know, the parish so that ultimately we can lead all those that we serve closer to Christ? Because we know that it is a narrow gate. Let us keep our eyes always focused on Christ. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of Notre Dame. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, with that, we bring this episode to its conclusion. That is, without a doubt, the best 25th episode we have ever done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to rate it down just a little bit because Father Phillips wasn't here. I think think he could have brought it up to very best. The the very best. (laughs) But it, it, it will probably be the only 25th episodes we've ever done. So in that perspective, we'll be our best. Uh, it wasn't chock full of canon law. Sorry, no. sorry, Father James. And the catechism wasn't front and center. Apologies, Father Marty. Uh, but we did get a good look behind the curtain at the parish and get an idea of what the future holds for Divine Mercy Parish. I'd like to thank the posse for sharing some topics with that most parishioners never even think about let alone get them aired on the radio. Thanks for your transparency tonight and pray that those listening will be moved to roll up their sleeves and pitch in to help the parish grow going forward. Pastor's perspective for next week, the 22nd week in Ordinary Time, will continue with chapter 14 in Luke's Gospel, and we will start a two-part series on virtues and vices. I haven't figured out the format for that yet, but I'll have it figured out with the help of the Holy Spirit by next week. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week, remember, God loves you and has a plan for your life. We invite you to come back to Mass so Jesus knows where you are from. Consider this an official invitation to come home to the Catholic Church. If you are attending Mass, invite someone to join you. Uh, Thank you, Father Dennis. You're welcome. Thank you, Father Marty. You bet. Thank you, Father James. Thanks for having us. And Father Mike, if you're listening, we hope you're feeling better and I hope to see you next week. I truly am grateful for you indulging me and gracing our listeners with your perspectives for the past 25 episodes. Here's to the next 25. I'd also like to thank our listeners for spending this hour with us. Please tune in again next week. Until then, remain steady on the path to the narrow gate. Strengthen yourself along the way by attending Mass and humble yourself before God, so when the time comes, God will know where you are from. God bless everyone, and good night. You can hear Pastor's Perspective every evening at 9 o'clock after the Rosary on KCDM. You can also pick up the show at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and 2 p.m. on Sundays. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 